get started, there's a story told of a father passing by his son's bedroom, and as he's passing by, he's amazed that the bed is nicely made and the room is picked up. As he's peering into the room, he notices an envelope sitting on the pillow on his bed that simply reads, Dad. So he walks over, he opens it up, and he reads the letter. Here's what it said. Dear Dad, it is with great regret and sorrow that I'm writing you. I had to elope with my new girlfriend because I wanted to avoid a scene with you and Mom. I have found real love with Stacy, and she's so nice to me. But I knew you would not approve of her because of all of her piercings, tattoos, tight motorcycle clothes, and the fact that she's much, much older than I am. But it's not only love, Dad. You see, she's also pregnant. Stacy said that we're going to be very happy. She owns a little shack in the woods, and, and we have a stack of firewood that's going to last us all winter. We share a dream of having many more children together one day. Stacy has opened my eyes to the fact that marijuana really doesn't hurt anyone. We'll be growing it for ourselves and trading it with the other people that live nearby for cocaine and food. In the meantime, we'll pray that science will find a cure for AIDS so Stacy can get better. She deserves it. Don't worry, Dad. I, I know I'm only 15, but I know how to take care of myself. How many times have you heard that from your teenager? <laughs> Someday, I'm sure that we'll be back to visit so you can get to know your grandchildren. Love your son, John. P.S. Dad, none of the stuff above is true. I'm at Tommy's house. I just wanted you to know that there's worse things in life than report cards. <laughs> I love you. Call me when it's safe to come home. Amen. Well, there you go. Uh, if you're a teenager, do not do that to your parents. Amen. <laughs> the joys of... The joys of fatherhood, the joys of parenthood. At the end of service today, we're going to do a drawing uh, for, the, for the men, for the dads in here. We've got some really nice gifts that we're going to be giving away, so I hope you registered at the registration table in the lobby when you came in. Okay, if you have your Bible or Bible app, go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 112. I'm not going to speak a long time today, but I am going to give you a lot of information. This is, a, this is more of a teaching today, and it's a great message to take notes if you're a note taker. So I'm going I'm to be unloading a lot of information on you um, over the next uh, few minutes, so just get ready for that. Psalm chapter 112 and verse number one. If you do not have a Bible, we do have them available for you at the hub. We have them in English and in Spanish, so just stop out there and tell them you need a Bible, and we'll be more than happy to give you one. Um, we're going to be taking a quick break from the series we started last week called Set Free. We'll get back into that next week because I wanted to uh, pause for Father's Day and share a great truth from you. Uh, pause for Father's Day and that doesn't just apply to the men or to the dads. It, it's applicable to all of us. So here we go. Um, Psalm chapter 112 and verse 1. Here's what it says. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. His descendants will be mighty on the earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches will be in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Verse 5, a good man deals graciously and lends. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he will never be shaken the righteous will be in everlasting remembrance. 
He will not be afraid of evil things. His heart is steadfast, trusting in the Lord. His heart is established. He will not be afraid until he sees his desire upon his enemies. He has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. The wicked will see it and be grieved. He will gnash his teeth and melt away. The desire of the wicked shall perish. I'm calling this message this morning, The Benefits of Honor. Father, for the next few moments, I ask that you would give me the mind of Christ. God, that you would give me the anointing that I need, God, to present this message. Father, if you anoint these words, these words will go forth and they will change and transform hearts, change, change and transform lives of your people. So God, I ask for that. I pray for that today. God, that when we leave this place, we would not leave this place the same as when we came in, but we would be challenged by your word, and that word, that challenge would change us. In Jesus' name, amen. Here in America, we have five words that we live by. A five-word question that, if we're honest, we all ask ourselves when making decisions. Now, we don't ask this question out loud, of course, but it is the question that many of us ask at least in our mind, when making a decision. These five words, this question is simply this. What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Now, even though verse 1 says, blessed is the man who fears the Lord, the Hebrew word for man here in Psalm 112 is translated as person. So, ladies, you're not off the hook. So don't be elbowing your husband the whole time. So like I said earlier, this is for everyone in the room, not just the men. With that being said, we're going to answer the question today, what's in it for me? Should you decide to go all in and fully surrender your life to God and give him your all, what's in it for you? Because we're told in verse 1 that blessed is the person who fears the Lord. The Hebrew word for blessed means happy, and the Hebrew word for fear means honor. So this can read, happy is the person that honors the Lord. The world will tell you, if you want to be happy, just do whatever makes you happy. But we've all come to know and understand, if you've been alive for long enough, you know that doing this does not make you happy. Doing just whatever you want ultimately does not make you happy. It does temporarily, but in the end we realize that we're just as miserable as we were before. Well, the one that created us tells us, if you truly want to be happy in this life, this is what you need to do. Honor me, honor God above all else. So what does that look like practically speaking to honor God, because it's easy for me to say, it's, that's what it says, just go out and honor God and you'll, you'll be happy. Let's all go home now, just go out and do that. But what does that look like? How do you put legs to that? Well, we're told here in this chapter. You see, just filling our heads with a bunch of knowledge doesn't do too much. How do we apply it to our lives? How can we take this truth out when we leave here today and actually apply this to our life? Because that is where true life change happens. Let's read verse 1 again. It says, Praise the Lord. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, 
who delights greatly in his commandments. Here we see the first way to honor the Lord is to delight greatly in his commandments. Now what does that mean? Well, let's break down the sentence structure. This is truly amazing and you're going to see how practical this is. Now watch this. The word delight here in Psalm 112 in the Hebrew means to keep or protect. The word greatly, and you should see this, yep, right there. Uh, Greatly means strength or power. Commandment means instruction. So to delight in God's commandments is to keep or to obey God's word with all of our strength, with all of our power, with all of our might. Jesus confirms this when he's talking to the religious leaders in Mark chapter 12 and verse 28. Here's what that says. It says, one of the teachers of the religious law was standing there listening to the debate. He realized that Jesus had answered well, so he asked, of all the commandments, of all the instructions given by God, which one is the most important? Jesus replied, the most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second command is, is, uh, the second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So they're asking Jesus which commandment or instruction from God is the most important. Jesus sums all of God's instructions up with these two statements. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love other people as yourself. So the first way we honor God is by obeying him. It's through obedience. It's by setting ourselves apart from the world like we talked about a few weeks ago. That seems simple enough. But here's the problem that we struggle with when it comes to obedience. Many of us like to dabble, Christians included, in what is known as the gray area. We like to dabble in the areas that Scripture is not clear on. You see, we like to get as close to the line as we can without going over. If the line is in front of us right here and that's sin, we like to get right up to that thing and kind of go like this. And then sometimes we'll see if anybody's looking and we'll do this. That's what we like to do. We like to get as close to that line of sin that we can, that gray area, so to speak, without going over. You'll see up here, obviously, when you, this is pretty elementary, when you mix black paint and white paint, you get gray paint. Pretty simple. Since the Bible refers to living to, to sin as living in darkness, the black paint will represent sin or things the Bible clearly speaks about. The white part, the white paint will represent the righteous living or complete obedience to the Word of God. You mix these two colors together, you get gray, meaning it could go either way. The Bible's not 100% clear. For example, I've talked about this before, drinking alcohol is a gray area. We know that getting drunk is a sin. The Bible is clear there. But pastor just drinking a beer with the buddies and hanging out, that's a gray area. Watching certain movies, listening to certain music, these are gray areas. Here is the thing about the gray areas of life. The the, the more black paint that you add to the mix, the darker the gray paint gets. 
the more white paint you add to the mix, the lighter the gray paint gets. Are you following me? Pretty simple. I've been a pastor now for more than 20 years, and in my experience, 99.9% of the time, and there are exceptions to the rule, but they're very rare, when an individual is walking continually in the gray area, they don't find themselves getting closer to God. Little by little, they start to move away from God. And this is the trap of living our life in the gray areas. It usually doesn't go the other way. When you walk in the gray, you typically don't become closer to God. Those that flirt with sin will find themselves ensnared by it eventually. I'm going to say that one more time because I believe the Holy Spirit's trying to get this point through to somebody. Those that flirt with sin will find themselves ensnared by it eventually. Take, for instance, pornography. That's a big one. You begin with just a few innocent glances. Usually we don't just jump right into that head on. It's a few little innocent glances. We might call that a gray area. The next thing you know, it's an addiction controlling your life because it doesn't get you closer to God. Those that flirt with sin, mark my words, you will find yourself enslaved by it eventually. Listen to me, to honor God as we see here in Psalm 112 means that we stay away from the gray areas of life. We're not looking, uh, when we're walking in the gray areas, we're not looking to obey God with all of our strength, with all of our might. All of our strength and all of our might means we do our best to avoid the gray areas. So the first way we honor God is through obedience. Next, we honor God in how we treat other people. Look at verse 4 again. It says, unto the upright there arises light in the darkness. He is gracious and full of compassion and righteous. Now watch, the word gracious translated from Hebrew means merciful to the needy. Compassion translated from Hebrew means merciful towards others. Righteous means innocent or guiltless. Remember what Jesus said? He said, love your neighbor as yourself. It's how you treat other people. For example, I can't control how you treat me, but despite how you treat me, I can choose to treat you well, thus honoring God. That's hard to do. Let's just be honest. If someone is mistreating you, it's difficult to be, to be nice to them, to be kind to them in return. Typically, we, we want to defend ourselves. We want to fight back, so to speak. This is tough to do. It's hard to treat people well that are speaking ill will against you. But look at the example of Jesus. As he's hanging on the cross, he's in tremendous pain. He has been laughed at. He has been spit on. He has been beaten. And yet what does he say as they're standing down mocking him as he's hanging on the cross? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. When you treat others well, when you show others mercy when you treat others fairly you are honoring God so we honor God through obedience we honor God in how we treat others and third we honor God when we give verses 5 and 9 again says a good man deals graciously and lends 
He will guide his affairs with discretion. Verse 9, he has, dis- he has dispersed abroad. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn will be exalted with honor. It says a good man or a good person is one that gives graciously to those in need. Verse 9 says he has given to the poor. We honor God when we are generous with what he has blessed us with. Look at what Paul tells the church in Corinth, 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 6. He says this, remember this, a farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, and don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will, get, will generously provide all you need. God is our provider. Your job is not your provider. Whoever, if someone's giving you, giving you another source of income, they are not your provider. God is your provider, but he's using that to, to provide for you at that time. So then you will always have, and God will generously provide all you need, then you will always have everything you need, now watch, and plenty left over to share with others. As the scriptures say, they, have free, they share freely and they give generously to the poor. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer, there it is again, and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take our gifts to those that need them, they will thank God. It's all for his glory. So three ways listed here that we can honor God. Obedience, kindness, and generosity. Now notice what all three of these are. They're choices. These are all choices. It's your choice to honor God or not. It doesn't matter what family you've been born into. It doesn't matter what your profession is. It doesn't matter how much money you have or don't have in your pocket. It doesn't matter if you're married or single. These are all choices that you can make regardless of your life situation. However, all three of these are difficult to do because all three of these direct, directly battle the selfishness that's within us. So this will be a fight. Your flesh won't want to do any of these. Your flesh doesn't want to obey God. Your flesh doesn't want to be kind to people that are mistreating you. Your flesh doesn't want to give. Your flesh screams, me. Your flesh screams, mine. Kind of like the little boy with the toy. So knowing that, we have to come back and answer that question, what's in it for me? Because that's the question the flesh wants to know. The flesh is saying when you say, hey man, I want to start obeying God, treating others with kindness and, and giving greatly to the kingdom of God. The flesh is going to say, whoa, time out. No, 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 that's, yeah, what's in it for me? You, you do all that stuff, but what's in it for me? If I give God my all, and I honor him in these areas, what's in it for me? That might sound like a selfish question, but the beautiful thing about this is the psalmist answers that question for us. And the psalmist tells us what would happen, what's going to happen in our life if we choose to honor God in this way. 
So here's four things that are, that are promised to us if we choose to honor God. Benefit number one, your children will be blessed. Verse two, his descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Listen to me, especially you dads. Your decision to honor God, your decision to honor God will change your family tree. Generations will be blessed because of that decision. Some of you in this room, some of you watching online, you are blessed because your parents feared and honored God. Because of that decision, you have been blessed. You are reaping the benefits of that. And because of that, your children have been blessed. Others of you in here didn't have that. And life has been an uphill climb for you as early as you can remember. I want you to know that you can change that for generations to come after you. You could be the pivotal piece in your family that completely turns and transforms your family tree. Even if that was the only benefit of honor, that should motivate us enough, but there's more. Benefit number two, your needs will be met. Verse 3 says, wealth and riches will be in his house, and righteousness endures forever. This is a simple benefit of generosity that a lot of people just don't understand, because this doesn't make sense on paper. For instance, many of you know the story of when, of when COVID hit, our, the story of our food pantry. I've told it before. We, we made the decision. Everything was shutting down. We made the decision to open our doors seven days a week to give food to our community. Plus, we also did uh, well over 1,000, 1,400, I think, deliveries over that time. We delivered, many, uh, many of you drove for that and delivered food. And so we delivered uh, roughly 1,400 bags of groceries uh, to those that were in need. Um, but when, when that decision was made, we only had enough food for maybe two days if we were gonna give food away. And we, and, and the, we were gonna open seven days a week. The thought crossed my mind numerous times that I'm going to look like the biggest fool in the city advertising this thing for seven days a week and then we're out of food before the second day even ends. But I knew what Proverbs chapter 19 and verse 17 says. It says this, if you help the poor, you are lending to the Lord and he will repay you. See, that doesn't make sense on paper. Give away what you have. So God said, I felt like he spoke to me, said, you need more food? Then give away what you have first. Don't sit here and pray to me and ask me for more food if you're not willing to give away what I've already given you. Give it away first and then trust me. I mean, when it comes to stuff like this, we either believe God's word or we don't. If you believe God's word, you will act on it and not just talk about it. The principle of God tells us that you will reap what you sow. If you need love, give love away. This, it doesn't make sense on paper, but I'm, trust me, this works. If you need love, nobody loves me, nobody cares about me, give it away. Find somebody to love. If you need a friend, don't sit around and mope about it. Go out, reach out, and be a friend to somebody else. Give away what you need and watch what God does. It's amazing how this works. 
I think a lot of times we sit back and we do nothing and we expect the blessings of God to flow and God says, that's not how I operate. You reap what you sow. If you sow nothing, you will reap nothing. Benefit number three, confidence. Verses six and seven again says, surely he will never be shaken. The righteous will be an everlasting remembrance. He will not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is steadfast trusting in the Lord. Do you see what it says? It says he will not be afraid of evil tidings. It means they do not fear when bad news comes. Basically, I don't care what the news stations say. My, hus- my, my hope and trust is not in the news reporter. My hope and trust is in the one that hung the stars. So what can man do to me? You see, it's a confidence that God is going to take care of me as his child, regardless of what's going on around me. Look at this, Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 10. I'm going I'm to give you the message translation. This is truly remarkable. It says, if you fall to pieces in a crisis, there wasn't much to you in the first place. Ouch. I would say these last few years, we've kind of seen a lot of crisis. We, we've experienced a lot of this stuff. And what have you seen a lot of? People falling to pieces. You see, crisis, and I'm, I'm talking to myself here. I don't, I, don't, I don't always get this right. But crisis tends to bring out who we really are to the surface. Anybody can be upbeat when life is good. Anybody can be happy when it's roses and sunshine. But when crisis hits, it's a different story. What's the secret to standing strong? Confidence in your father who is in heaven. Confidence that he has you in the palm of his hands. And that's one of the benefits of honoring God. Benefit number four, and we're going to wrap it up with this. Simply put, you honor God, he gives you honor in return. Honor. Verse nine again. His horn will be exalted with honor. The word horn translated from Hebrew means strength or might. Might. Now this isn't talking about physical strength. You see, when others see that you're able to stand strong during trials and not be shaken because of your confidence in God, you're going to be held in high honor with people. Because people are going to know that they can trust you. They'll know that you're the real deal when they see that you can't be swayed to the left or to the right. This will give you in the left or to the right fluence with others. Not because it's not your goal. You're not seeking after that. You're seeking after God. You're honoring God. And because of that, this becomes a benefit. God gives you what you give away. Honor. You want to receive honor? You give honor. So what's in it for me? The question. What are the blessings of honoring God? And I'm going to wrap this up. Your children will be blessed. God will provide what you need. You will have unwavering confidence. And you will be honored by others. How do you receive those blessings? How do we honor God? Through obedience to his word, kindness to others, and generosity. Trust me. Commit to honoring God in these three areas of your life. And just watch what God does. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. God, we just want to thank you for your word today. 
We want to thank you, Lord, for the truth that challenges us, that transforms us into more of your image. God, I just pray, Lord, for not only the dads in here today, I pray for the moms, I pray, God, for those that don't have children, Lord, I I pray, God, for those that have older kids and just, Lord, everybody, God, that you would give them the strength to live this out. And then as we leave this place today, God, that, that this truth would, would be fresh in our mind, not only today, but throughout this week, that, we would, that your word would be continually before us to continue to keep you number one, to continue to honor you above all else. We thank you for that today in Jesus' name. I want you to keep your head bowed and your eyes closed.